0: Well, when God said, let there be light in Genesis, he spoke into darkness. He says the world was uh, formless and void. And he spoke into the, the darkness, let there be light. And we think of those words as being a one-time event. And yet, ever since, particularly since the, the, uh, the, the fall in the garden and sin entered into the world, God has repetitively being, uh, been saying, let there be light, calling into darkness, proclaiming his goodness, proclaiming light. And that's what the series is about. And again, today, that's where we're heading, particularly in Isaiah chapter 9. And then we're going to look at Judges uh, chapter 6 and 7 in just a moment. A number of years ago, uh, Dana and I and Gabe, we had a chance to go to uh, Holland. Um, uh, Dana's dad was born in a little town just south of Rotterdam, and uh, so we were able to spend some time there, go back to uh, the family homestead, the, this little house on the corner of this, uh, this farm road, and we got to see that place where uh, Dana's dad and nine brothers and sisters, that's where they, they grew up uh, before they immigrated to, uh, to North America, um, it was amazing, one morning uh, we were able to get out in the country there, and um, as we stopped and just looked over the farmlands, what came to mind, it was interesting that this, this came to my mind back then, but it was thinking a number of decades earlier when those fields weren't covered with, um, with beauty and, and serenity and that, but they were covered by an invading army from Germany. And it just dawned on me that this, this pastoral uh, farmland at one point in time was under siege. That so we heard the stories from Dana's relatives. We heard the, the stories from her grandparents years ago, just talking about living in Holland during that time when an invading army came in and occupied their nation. Now it's something that we we really can't understand. We can't comprehend that here in North America. Many of us, uh, you know sixty and younger can't even comprehend uh, the the idea of something like that taking place. Sure, it's something we hear about. We hear that uh, things like this took place in in the past, and yet to experience it firsthand it's so foreign to us. And yet this is something that that w- was not common throughout history. This this peace and this calm such that that we experience today was not something that was common throughout history. In fact, invading armies and occupying, uh, um, uh, 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 you know, armies and and that coming into another nation was commonplace back through uh, the decades and the centuries. Particularly, you go back into biblical times, it was something that happened frequently. It happened very frequently. This horrendous history of darkness. And there's no, uh, there's no other ex, uh, explanation to it. If you're in a position in your hometown or your homeland or your home nation and an invading army comes in, puts you into slavery or, or servitude in some way, shape, or form, there's no brightness. There's no joy and levity. It's nothing but darkness that's going on. And, and in Israel's history... In ancient history, this was something that was repetitive, over and over and over again. God's people put in into slavery. God's people put in servitude to an invading army or an invading nation, over and over and over again. And there's this cycle that that happens over and over again. And this longing for relief, this cry for help. It's, uh, it gets to a point where it's almost laughable if it wasn't so sad. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, the, the speed and the cycle in which this took place. In the book of Judges alone, if you've done any study in the book of Judges, you'll see that this, this cycle happens seven times in the book of Judges alone. Here's a graphic that I want to show you here that, that, that just shows the cycle within the book of Judges. But this isn't limited to Judges. This was something that went on over and over and over again through Israel's history. You start at the top right where it says Israel commits sin. They turn and do their own thing. So often, the scripture says, and Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord, or the king did evil in the eyes of the Lord. The people of God did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And what happened was God allowed them then to be oppressed by a, an invading army or an invading nation. And here in, in the book of Judges, then Israel repents. They cry out to the Lord. They're, they're under this oppression, they're under this this uh, the weight and this darkness and they cry out to God and what does God do he sends a judge he sends a redeemer he sends a savior to redeem them and to deliver them out from under this oppression to the point where they are faithful and they are living according to God's plans and God's purposes sadly until that judge or that ruler or that leader dies And then once again, the cycle starts all over again, like I said, seven times in the book of Judges alone. So this is something that's over and over and over again, and there's this constant pushing back of the enemies of God's people, this constant pushing back of darkness They needed relief and they cry out to God and there's this pushing back. Uh, Remember last week I was talking about the the polyester turtlenecks that my mom used to make me wear when I was a kid. And it's just like, you want this relief? You're just trying to get a little space. Give me a little room. You know, it's scratching me. You know, it's giving me hives. Well, it's this pushing back, this relief that God's people had cried out for. Over and over this happens. And I tell you, if it was me, <clears throat> and looking at the history of my people, looking at the history of my nation, of my legacy in that, it would get pretty tiring. It would get pretty um, fatiguing. It would just it would become old. Okay, this cycle, it just gets old reading it. If you've read through the book of Judges, you're like, oh my goodness, again? And then here it comes, okay, we'll push it back, and then it comes, and then push it back, and then it comes. <clears throat> it reminds me of uh, when, when our, our boy was uh, a little kid. We, we used to like to go down to Florida and uh, loves to hang out on the beach. And Dan would sunbathe, and Gabe and I would go down to the Water's Edge, and we'd build sandcastles. It's what you do, right? As a dad and a son, you build sandcastles. Well, I'm kind of of the engineering type, and I like to, you know, plan things out, and I got it down, and I, we got the molds, you know, those sandcastle molds, and you got to make sure that you, you put it close enough to the water so where you can get that wet, sandy stuff that you can form, and yet far enough where it's not going to get wiped out by a wave. So there's some you know, tactical uh, processing that goes on, and and so you get this done, and 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 you get it, you get this wall being built, and then all of a sudden, what happens? A wave comes, and it kind of washes out one side of your wall, and you're like, no, 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 that can't be, and so you, you, you know quickly rebuild the wall and you build this mode around it so when the wave comes it's going to kind of divert around rather than hit into your wall and and you rebuild it and then and then the wave comes again and like oh my goodness and so you maybe build it back a little further and you engineer this thing just so right and what do you want more than anything at least what I want is just stop the waves just push them back. Just you know, create this perimeter and you try to get stuff to insulate and isolate you. And this is that image of God's people all throughout history. Just hold back the waves, and yet what happens? Another wave comes crashing in. And they rebuild it. And then another wave comes crashing, and you rebuild it. And it's just this dark, dark, dark place. And then the word of the Lord comes to Isaiah. And we're We're opened up to this and exposed to this this vision that God gives Isaiah. And this was him looking ahead, looking into the future. And look at verse 1 of chapter 9. It says, Nevertheless, even though you're being oppressed over and over and over again, and you find yourself in this dark place, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Hear me, there's relief Coming. Look at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And he's looking ahead and he's saying, This is what it's going to be like. Listen to me. Hear me. This is what it's going to be like. People of God, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. There's gonna be this reversal of the fortune. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. You think about it. There's harvest. There's celebration. There's high fives. There's fist bumps. There's that thing where they jump and they hit each other in the chest. And and they're they're just going on like like everything is awesome. There's incredible amounts of joy. And this is the picture that Isaiah is giving. And look at verse 4. He says, For as in the day of Midian's defeat... You have, this is what the Redeemer has done. You've shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. There's this, this breaking of the enemy's power. Look at verse six. Goes on, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Like you gotta think back that we we're looking from our perspective back, and we know that this is Jesus, the baby, in the manger, and yet in Isaiah's day, what he's talking about, a baby? This this warrior that's coming to conquer the enemy that's invaded us, that's occupying the land. You're talking about a baby? A child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And there's this hint that something's different. It's not just this cycle again of pushing back and holding back and, and getting a little room in that polyester uh, 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 turtleneck. It's, it's something different. And There's a couple of hints that we can lean on. A couple of hints that Isaiah is giving here. And remember, from our point of view, we're looking back and we know who Isaiah was talking about. But we look at those hints and and we know for sure that that what God had planned was fully capable of doing the job. First of all, in verse 7, the greatness of His government. There wouldn't, be no, there wouldn't be any end. There wouldn't be any, any end date to it. His government would last forever. His rule and his reign, there would be no end. And it would be established forever and ever. There's a hint that this wasn't just a pushing back to be redone in the cycle again. No, this was going to be a permanent fix. And also in verse 4, he talks about the, the defeat of Midian. He says, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressors. This, this invading army would be done with once and for all. And not just the Midians, but the enemy of God's people himself would be done away with. These hints that there would be a decisive win, the enemy would be defeated. You see, Isaiah gives this picture of a a great and mighty end to darkness, that darkness would be done away with, a victory bigger than any sporting event, a win for the ages, a cause for great celebration, and in this narrative, he sets it up alongside another great victory in Israel's history, and that is their win over the Midianites during the time of Gideon. Israel defeated them and Gideon came to the rescue. I want you to turn over to Judges chapter 6. It's like Isaiah is saying, remember that great win and all of God's people are nodding. Oh yeah, I heard about that one. That was incredible. Isaiah is saying, it's like that but better. And You can tell their eyes are light, they're brightening up. Their eyes are getting big. It's as if Isaiah's telling us, remember that time when God showed up? Remember that time in your life when you were feeling like you were behind the eight ball? Remember that time when you were feeling like all the world was coming crashing down around you and God showed up? Remember that time when a friend of yours was diagnosed with cancer and all hope was gone? Remember that time when all your friends turned against you and, you and you felt like you were about this big and you felt like you were worthless? Remember that time when, when you were homeless or you couldn't make your payments? Remember that time when, when you had nothing in your bank account or you were this close to, to filing for bankruptcy? Remember when you were on the edge, when you were deep in darkness and God showed up? Remember that time? And this is what Isaiah was saying to God's people. Remember that time? And they start to nod. Take a look at what he said and what he was referring to when he talked about the Midianite victory. Or I should say the victory over the Midianites in Judges chapter 6 verse 11. This is what it says. This is the account. It says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said to him, and remember this was in that cycle, God's people doing evil, an an oppressing army coming in, and darkness coming over God's people. And it's during that time the word of the Lord comes to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I love his response. He says, "Uh, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why is this happening to us? I just want to stop there for a second. Have any of you ever asked that question, why is this happening to me? Um, Pardon me, my Lord. You know, this time of year, Emmanuel, God with us. How many of us want to say, pardon me, Lord, why then is this happening to me? Why right now, in December of 2019, am I experiencing this if Emmanuel means God with us and God is here with me right now? And here's the, the word that says, hey, the Lord is with you. And Gideon says what every single one of us wants to say. Pardon me, my Lord. Then why is all this happening? Why do I feel the way I do? These times of darkness are around me. Look at verse 14. It says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? And again, here's, the, pardon me, my Lord. Pardon me. But how can I save Israel? My plan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered... I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And Gideon, like everyone else in history who God tapped on the shoulder, and every one of us, uh, have we have questions. And praise the Lord, he's gracious with us. Praise the Lord, he brings us along and unveils a few more things to us, and here, just like Gideon, we get to a point where we're able to nod and say, all right. So Gideon says yes, and for those of you who know the story, he has 32,000 men, fighting men to use to go up against the Midianites. Now, that sounds like a lot. Wouldn't that be great? Here in Decatur, we have 32,000 fighting warriors who can, you know. Well, that sounds good until you find out how many uh, people they're going up against. And in this case, the Midianites had 135,000 people fighting uh, warriors. So 32,000, 135,000, a little bit under, uh, under-equipped, ill-equipped to go up against the Midianites. And yet God says, I'll be with you, we can do it. And Gideon says, all right, <laughs> yes, yes. And then God says, you know the story, God says, you got too many men, Gideon. He says, I could just see it again. Uh, Pardon me, my Lord. (laughs) Is there anyone else up there I can talk to? Pardon me, my Lord. Are you doing your math right? I have too many we're going up against 135,000. I have 32,000 and you want me to lose a few? And he says, yes, you have too many men. And so he says, I want you to ask the men, uh, those who are afraid and those uh, who are fearful to go home. And once again, if I am Gideon, I'm thinking, okay, I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll kind of soft sell it, and maybe we'll lose a few hundred, right? So he, he really doesn't do a very good job at making that announcement. He kind of mumbles under his breath, and he says, hey, if you're afraid, you know. Well, to his surprise, 20,000 men leave. <laughs> Imagine if he would have done a good job. You know? <laughs> but he announces, if you're afraid, I don't want you. God doesn't want you. Just go on. And Can you imagine? You've said yes to God. You're ready to go against the Midianites. And now 20,000, two-thirds of your men, are walking away. They're going home. You talk about fear. You talk about darkness. You talk about, oh, my goodness. You talk about this lump in your throat. Your heart starts beating. He's like, all right, okay, I'm trusting you, God, here we go. And, he, and God again says, no, you got too many. I'm like, what? For the love of Israel, come on. <laughs> Stop it already. He says, no, I want you to take the men down to the river, and I want you to get them to, uh, to drink. And there's going to be some who, who scoop the, the water up, and they, they drink, and there's others who just go face right down and put their head down. He says, I want you to keep the ones who, who, lap it, who bring it up and, and, and who are watchful. Who are prepared. He says, okay, so he takes them down. Do you know he loses all but 300 men? So he's gone from 32,000 down to 12,000, down to 300. And God says, now we're ready. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So here's the deal God lays out the plan to him. He says, I want them to have a trumpet. I want them to have a torch and I want them to have a clay pot. You're like, what are we gonna do? Bake a cake or you know? You know, what? Are we gonna do a parade or what? You know, we're going into battle, God. He says, you No, know, I want a trumpet, I want a torch, and I want a clay pot. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go out and attack at night in the dark. What? Like you just don't do that in armies. You, you, you can't see. You can't do it, especially if you don't have torches. Because what God had said is, I want you to take a torch. I want you to put the clay pot over the torch so you can't, the light doesn't shine. And I want you to go and surround the Midianites. 135,000 armed warriors. I want you to surround them. Oh, what on earth are we doing? He says, at the, at the, at the sound of the announcement, I want each and every one of them to blow the trumpet, and then smash the clay pot so the light shines brightly, and then yell at the top of their lungs. The sword for Israel and for Gideon, and that's the plan. And that's exactly what they did. They went out at night. They surrounded the the Midianites (laughs) with a trumpet with a torch under a clay pot. They surrounded and then all at once they blew the trumpets. They smashed the clay pots. And scripture says in 7.22 of of Judges that when they did that it startled the, the Midianites and they saw this light all around them in this darkness. Immediate light in the darkness. And they were thrown into confusion and they began to kill each other to the point where none of them were left. And that day the Lord delivered God people out of the hands of the Midianites this is what Isaiah was talking about he says remember the victory over the Midianites remember what happened this is what God is doing through his Redeemer not just a pushing back but a complete and total victory and you see this is the message for you and I today The cycle of darkness that we try to desperately push back is done away with once and for all. As in the day of Midian's defeat, a mighty victory is coming and is coming through the Messiah. His name is Jesus. Keep that in your mind as we read Isaiah 9 once again. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Even here in 2019, there's no end. It doesn't matter who's sitting in the Oval Office this year, next year, ten years from now, five years should the Lord tarry. It doesn't matter what world governments are rising and falling. It doesn't matter. Why? Because we're told that his kingdom will never end, not now, not ever. He rules, He reigns, He has won the battle. Darkness has been defeated. Light, light has come. It's pierced the darkness, it's defeated the darkness. The authority, the rule, the reign of Christ has victory over the, pro, the powers and principalities, and He will rule and reign forever and ever. It's easy for us to get thinking like Israel did, even like the disciples did. That this Redeemer was gonna come with with the the, the gun show, that this Redeemer was gonna come in a flash of light from heaven, heaven was gonna part open, and and this the biggest of the bad guys was gonna come and kick some heads of the enemy. It's natural to think that a redeemer, a victor, one that would save would come with might and power and force. And yet we're told that a child would be born, a baby would be born. Most unassuming of leaders. Like Gideon from the most unassuming clan. The smallest of all the clans. The tiniest of armies. With clay pots and torches. But they would win the greatest victory. And the truth today is that Jesus born as a baby. The most unassuming places. The most unassuming time. The meekest and mildest of circumstances and situations has won the victory. Has won the victory over your sin. Over your strongholds. Over your failures. Over your inner wars. And has defeated darkness. And that comes through Christ. His living, His dying, His rising again. His death on the cross. He paid the price for you and for me. He came to conquer sin, not just to push it back. I'm inviting our our worship team to come up and join me. And I want you to turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And the truth of the matter is today, here in Decatur, Texas, here in Wise County, here in the United States of America, 2019, December of 2019, Darkness is still all around us and yet the light of Christ shines bright within our hearts and even within this community. Something to remember that it's not just a pushing back. It's not just a holding off. It's a victory over darkness. It's a victory over the enemy. Paul spoke to the church in Corinth and Corinth was a place much like ours, surrounded by darkness surrounded by godlessness so much so that the the people of the church there felt like fish out of water they felt like they were so counterculture so unlike their surroundings persecution daily darkness all around them and yet paul speaks to them and reminds them of the victory of christ And the life and the light of Christ that now lives within them. And it's a reminder for us today here at Crossroads in December of 2019 that the light and life of Christ lives and dwells within each one. Look at these verses. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. For God who said, let there be light. made His light shine in our hearts. He made His light shine in your heart to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And get this. Does this sound familiar? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not ourselves. You think of Gideon's army with the light, this torch, it was hidden in this clay pot, and here Paul says, I want you to remember and think back to what Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 9, and I want you to think back to the Word of the Lord, back to Gideon, and the, the great battle of Judges 6 and 7. I want you to think back even as you live in this society and even as you live in this time surrounded by darkness you have the light of Christ that's burning in this jar of clay and it's a reminder that it's not by might it's not by power but by his spirit but by his working but by his activity by his doing christ come as a baby, to win the battle once and for all. Look at what John says in John chapter 1. It says, The light shines in darkness is Jesus, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he goes on in verse 12 to say this: Yet to all who did receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God's plan for salvation, for everyone who would believe. And it's a reminder to each and every one of us today that whatever deep and dark waters you're walking through today, the light of Christ shines bright. It's here right now. And He wants to move in you and through you. He wants to remind you that death has been defeated, the enemy of God has been defeated, and we now walk in victory. I invite you to bow your heads close your eyes. Lord Jesus, right now, Lord, even as we examine our hearts, it's easy to find areas where there are shadows, where there's doubt, where, there's, where there are questions. And church, I invite you right now just to invite the Holy Spirit to come and examine your heart. Those areas of sin, those areas of struggle, those areas of sadness, and grief, Those places where there's hurt, injury, maybe some places of scar. You need some healing. You need some freedom. You need some light to shine within your heart. We just invite the Lord to do that in your life right now. Just say, Lord, come. Just reveal your light. Let your light shine in the dark areas of my heart, the shadowed areas of my heart. Come and do your work remind me of the victory that you have won that the enemy is defeated the enemy is powerless in my life in the life of my family the life of my friends in the lives of people in here in this community we proclaim light we proclaim your victory because your word says that we have these this light of jesus christ within us like like the light in those jars of clay. and It's a reminder of the victory that's won in Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would come close and come near right now. Remind us of the victory being won. Remind us of what Christ Jesus came to do. Pay the price, sin, death.